Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Epsilon and their award-winning People Cloud loyalty solution. Epsilon has actually just released a guide on the topic of contactless loyalty, which explores how marketeers can create human-like connections with their customers in an increasingly contactless world. I would highly recommend you have a look, so to download the guide, visit emia.epsilon.com forward slash Let's Talk Loyalty and you'll find the guide in the resources section. Welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. And as most of you will know, particularly if you've been listening for um, for quite a while, um, I have first been sponsored with this amazing show with a fantastic technology partner. So Epsilon is an extraordinary company uh, powering some of the most powerful loyalty programs around the world. And I've been working with Epsilon since um, April of this year. And first and foremost, uh, the two episodes we've done together in terms of guests are some of my most listened to episodes of the show. So for regular listeners, if you haven't listened to episode 33 with Joseph Taylor or episode 46 with Mitch Kennedy from Dell, then definitely do tune into those. So today I am delighted to be talking to uh, two of the ladies who are key and integral to the role of loyalty within Epsilon. So first of all, I have Julie Smith, who is the Vice President of Development for Loyalty. And separately, I also have Tamara Oliverio, who is the Senior Director of Strategy, Loyalty and Customer Experience. So Julie and Tamara, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you. Thank you. So you're up bright and early on a Monday morning. So first and foremost, want to thank you for, for coming on air. Um, as you know, we've done uh, lots of amazing um, shows. I think we're on, I think, episode 59 now with you guys together. And my favorite opening question is always this about um, really talking about loyalty statistics that can be super useful for listeners. So maybe Tamara, you might start by telling us what is your favorite loyalty statistic? Sure. So mine actually comes from some Epsilon uh, research that we recently did. And it was that um, loyalty members actually can spend three times more as non-members. And that stat alone is just you know, incredibly powerful in what loyalty can do for, for brands. So yeah. understanding, you know, driving the incremental behavior and motivating and rewarding people for doing so, um, you know, it's, it's a very powerful stat for every yes. brand to understand. Um, so that's my favorite. Wonderful. Thank you for that. And I know we'll get into your background now in a couple of minutes, but uh, what I do love is obviously you have access to some um, very big loyalty programs and talking to the senior people mm -hmm. leading them. So to have the insights, I suppose, coming from those kind of programs and scale is always super interesting. So I'm a little bit jealous of your job. <laughs> <laughs> So, We're Julie, oh my goodness, that's amazing. <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> uh, Julie, now tell me, uh, you're more on the tech side, um, which again is going to be absolutely fascinating to, uh, to hear what you're seeing and see what you're thinking about in terms of your roadmap. But first of all, again, want to ask you exactly the same question. Tell me, what is your favorite loyalty statistic? The one that's kind of intrigued me is the, the one where the 
average consumer is part of so many loyalty programs, 14 to 18 on average, but you're only active in a percent, a small percentage of those. Right. And so why I love that stat is that it reinforces the fact that the programs have to find ways to differentiate themselves. Right. Yeah. And so you have to be different than, than your, uh, than your competitor or someone else in that. And why that's interesting to me from the technical perspective is because that's a challenge for me and my technology to be able to support a wide variety of programs that have to be out there. And so they are differentiating themselves and still able to solve that problem with our technology. So that's, that's kind of an interesting challenge for us. It sure is, Julie. And I've always been intrigued, actually. I worked uh, once in a technology company. It was a small startup now in Dublin, so not at all on the scale of what Epsilon does, but, you know, prioritizing uh, developments um, for clients because clearly at the end of the day, like we all have this, you know, unlimited wish list of what our technology can do. So how on earth you manage that, I'm dying to time to understand. Um, so before we get into all of that, actually, um, tell us about your loyalty background and, um, you know, I suppose from both sides, maybe Julie, as, as we're talking, tell me, I know you've been with Epsilon quite a long time. I have actually, I um, was in technology and that's where I uh, studied, but then I fell in with um, Epsilon and I've been in loyalty technology with Epsilon for 18 years. And that's how I've actually learned wow. the loyalty business is all the way through the technology and, and my career here. So. Wow. Got to work with a lot of different programs yeah. and um, big and small. And But that's actually how I got into loyalty marketing was all the way through the technology. And I always love to acknowledge employee loyalty. Um, and actually, I was talking genuinely to some colleagues of yours um, in the Asia Pacific region recently. And I know Epsilon actually had a couple of days where everybody was just asked to take a day off. And uh, to me, that just showed like an incredible, I suppose, company culture. So uh, 18 years, you must have seen a hell of a lot, but clearly they're doing something right to, to keep you there, huh? I have. They have fantastic employees, like everybody I work with. It is the people absolutely that has kept me here and they're very, very bright and Okay. Challenging and it's fantastic. I I love it here, (laughs) obviously. Yeah. Never gets dull, huh? (laughs) No, no. Brilliant. And Tamara, tell us about your loyalty background. Sure. So I haven't been here nearly as long as Julie, but it'll be five years in May. Um, I was brought on board to help design a loyalty program for General Motors. So wow. my GM rewards. Okay. Sign up today. Yes. Um, on top of that, so I my career has actually spanned about 20 years where I've been both on the client side and on the agency side. So wow. always, for the most part, in loyalty or CRM. But interestingly enough, how I fell into loyalty is... My degree is actually in public relations, and I my first part of my career was in public relations and investor relations, wow. where I had an assignment about this really cool. I worked for a company called Velasis in Livonia, okay. Michigan, okay. and started working on, I had an assignment around um, uh, this really cool thing called the Aztec Code, and it was all about collecting data and what you can do with data, and I just fell in love with the whole concept, and joined their startup and got involved with frequent shopper programs and CRM and loyalty and worked at Borders, managed the loyalty program for Borders, Uh, Gas Buddy, ran rewards for Gas Buddy. And 
um, here I am. So now at, at here, we're basically working with a number of very large brands on designing loyalty programs, improving their current loyalty programs. Yeah. Um, and it's very exciting. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure there's just an ongoing um, extraordinary pipeline. Um, do you focus mainly on U.S. clients? Do you work internationally or because I know you do have an incredible number mm-hmm. of colleagues around the world, but your team, you specifically focus on U.S. programs. Am I right? Uh, specifically U.S. programs, but we do a lot of programs that have global reach. So we do partner also with colleagues around the world um, in those different locations. So, yeah. Um, Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, mm-hmm. And I remember saying to you, actually, um, when we spoke on the phone before tomorrow about um, your background in public relations, I think is just mm-hmm. perfect because mm-hmm. I did read about one loyalty program just for listeners. I'll repeat myself where the um, the program was designed with the press release first. So the headline was written and then the technology, the platform, the proposition was retrofitted to uh, to match up to the, uh, the press release that the company wanted to release. So um, I'm guessing you sometimes have very very ambitious clients that start exactly the same way, huh? We do, yes. <laughs> the, the, how, how a loyal, loyalty program comes about does vary from client to client, but that is certainly one way. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely, I mean, I write a lot about loyalty, as I think you both know, and I do see um, an awful lot of coverage across all channels, whether it's, um, you know, uh, you know, big, you know, news media websites, TV. So it genuinely has consumers' interest and, um, um, so I think that's absolutely superb. I'm not sure every country is an, is an advanced um, in terms of monitoring and reporting on that. So uh, mm-hmm. super exciting for you guys, huh? Definitely. Yeah. Great. Yes. So I'd love to um, get into a discussion, I suppose, around um, trends, really, because at the end of the day, um, everyone listening to this show, um, and at the moment, I think I was looking, there's probably over 400 loyalty managers and directors around the world listening to every single episode. So it's a big audience. um, And I think by virtue of the fact that they're listening to podcasts probably means they value innovation, they value new ideas, and that's what they're here to, to listen for. So tell us exactly what you're seeing in terms of the industry? So yeah, since we're talking global, I will say it it does vary from market to market because to your point, the US market is extremely mature um, in comparison to other markets. Yeah. So specific to the US, a big trend that we see right now is um, people wanting to reinvent their loyalty strategies because obviously in 2020, but even before 2020, there's been a lot of disruption and, and the yeah. tactics and, 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 and strategies of yesterday don't necessarily work anymore, right? So you have to completely reinvent your, what your program strategies are. And I will say there are a number of reinventions underway right now um, okay. that will be with specifically in the US that will be launching you know, in, in the near future. Okay. Which we can't talk about right now, but (laughs) there are a lot of common themes to them that are around, you know, having more than just rewards and having the value proposition being more than just a discount, um, having convenience be a factor, obviously in the day of COVID, having a contactless experience and contactless loyalty is going to be a really big key um, as well around the trends. Um, Obviously, mobile plays a big part in a lot of the new reinventions that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say overall, the general value proposition in terms of the value exchange a brand has with the consumer is being shaken up. So wow. because what consumers perceive to be valuable, 
Mm. A year ago, two years ago, three years ago, is it necessarily the same as it is today? So there are things that are changing pretty drastically. Wow. And I love that particularly, I do a lot of work in convenience retail Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. something that I've noticed as well, Tamara, you're absolutely right. And again, this predates COVID, but where Mm -hmm. you can actually simplify the customer's experience um, at the point of sale, be that in store or online, um, it really is about removing friction, about making it easy. And Mm -hmm. actually, it's one of the reasons I did call this show Let's Talk Loyalty, not Let's Talk Loyalty Programs, (laughs) because, you know, really the the emotion of loyalty comes from the whole customer experience. Um, So that's really cool that that's coming through. Um, You'll definitely have to make sure I get whatever press release you wish you about the new programs you <laughs> alluded to there tomorrow because uh, it sounds like there's some interesting stuff um, up and coming and um, mm-hmm. so that's really interesting um, I, and I suppose what format does it come to you like would it come to you from senior executives that you know sit down to do a formal review and workshops on a I suppose a scheduled basis and um, do you conduct your own customer research or how does Epsilon I suppose keep up to date on on those trends? Yeah, I would say all of the above. And uh, we have a really in-depth uh, group. Uh, obviously, Epsilon is very known for not just the technology and loyalty, but we have a huge data division too. So okay. on top of that, we have access to a lot of data. We okay. can understand and see a lot of trends. In fact, I know there's, if you go to Epsilon, our website, there's a lot of recent trends out there and information tied to COVID okay. and how consumer dynamics are changing. But really it comes down to, you know, the client relationships we have and or new client relationships and just talking to different brands on a day-to-day basis to see what, what's going on with their brands, what the challenges are and how we could help improve them. So mm. and leaning in on what we're seeing with the data, a lot of what, a lot of the decisions and recommendations that we make mm. in terms of program optimization or evolution is, is tied to what the consumer data is telling us. Mm. Um, and obviously mirroring that up with what the brand needs are and that how you come up with the the value exchange that's the most appropriate. Absolutely. And there was a couple of things that you did recently as well, which I can, again, I think listeners will be very interested in. First of all was Loyalty Week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know there was a lot of amazing uh, webinars that you guys did. So I'll make sure that we get access to those and uh, share them in the show notes. So anyone who wasn't able to attend and uh, some of us on on um, inhospitable uh, time zones, for example, mm-hmm. didn't get to listen live. But also I know you've developed a loyalty assessment um, in conjunction with Forrester Research. We did mention it on the show there a couple of weeks ago, and I was saying to you off air that uh, I just went through that assessment myself with a, you know, a previous client's program, which shall remain nameless. Um, but it was a really good experience. So maybe just talk to us a bit about that tool, because I think everybody listening is always looking for validation, I suppose, in terms of how are they performing, what areas maybe have they not looked at or thought about. So can you talk a little bit about that loyalty tool? Um, sure. So I know, if, yeah, like you said, if you go to the website, I think where it's really helpful, you know, putting my brand hat on, you know, if I was on the client side, like I used to be, yeah, you know, you're just, you're, you're in the day to day and you're operating your program and you're dealing with executive, well, working with executive management and executive leadership to get them the information and, yeah. and reporting and doing KPIs. So you don't necessarily have the time to really say, okay, what should I do or what can I do next? Yeah. And what I really like about this tool, it, you it's just a quick yeah. Five, maybe 10 minutes kind of exercise. And then there's some, you know, immediate recommendations on areas you might want to look at and consider exploring yeah. for a future innovation. 
Absolutely. So it's, you know, just being time crunch, you know, we all time crunch, especially now, but especially if you're on the brand side and yeah. operating a loyalty program, you know, it's a good way to kind of help guide what directions you might want to lean into. Absolutely. And again, having done a lot of client projects myself, I think it's a great tool to take to senior management to say, look, mm-hmm. we need to invest more. <laughs> we exactly. need to do more stuff because we haven't got X, Y, or Z sorted. So that's brilliant. Exactly. Brilliant. Julie, I want to bring you back in, I suppose, in terms of um, what trends you might be seeing in the industry. The trend from the technology side and the platform side, the trends are really more around how to get that loyalty experience in all of the touch points, right? So Tamara talked a little bit about being mobile and convenient and everything. And, you know, a lot of the work that we do is more around how do we connect the ecosystems of our clients so that loyalty is is a way of life in that business, right? Every part of that company understands what it is and understands how to engage and make it um, prominent in the conversation with the customer, no matter where you're touching them, right? Whether it's on the mobile or at the website or in store or whatever the case may be. And so getting all of those touch points to have the same data at the same time in real time and connected mm-hmm. is really the challenge that we've been working on helping that loyalty execution, right? On the operations side is, is a big part of what we've been doing probably in the past, you know, yeah. five, five years or so. And now that we've got an, the framework to accomplish that and help our clients integrate to that and make that somewhat seamless, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And we're kind of our new vision or our next vision is a little bit what Tamara was talking about as far as the insights and proving the value and bringing all that data together and grabbing the right insights about that data at the right time to the loyalty marketer so they can continue to grow the program and expend in the right places and, and everything. So yeah. gathering the data, the touch points is probably the, the trend and definitely more real time is the... okay. Yes, the challenge. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure all of us are the same. Like as consumers, we we totally expect that the, the brands that we do interact with should have all of our data and it should be available across all touch points. I think right. we we probably underestimate the complexity. Um, and it's only when we do go into uh, run these big loyalty programs that we realize the challenge that people like you have, <laughs> Julie, and making sure mm-hmm. that it is uh, at all of those touch points. So I know you have um, a long roadmap as well ahead. I think you ran some. Some events you mentioned, for example, during Loyalty Week, talking about the the product vision for the future. So can you tell us a bit about where you're going with the technology? Yes. So like I said, the last focus has been, you know, the real time and the connectedness of all this platforms and stuff. Now we're turning our focus to... um, empowering our the loyalty marketer to be able to change and evolve their program as they need to and get it into market as quickly as possible, but also continuing to focus on letting them create experiences for their consumers that are delightful, personalized, and relevant to where they are in their journey with the brand, right? So that's kind of our vision. Mm. Um, how to do this to empower that loyalty marketer and bring the right data to them at the right point in time is some of our roadmap items, right? Mm. So collecting that data and not 
doing just KPI metrics, but also giving insights about those metrics, you know, trends that you're seeing, which part of the customer base do we need to focus on or the member base and what, you know, what promotions or offers in the past have worked and now start mm-hmm. to give relevant suggestions to that loyalty marketer about what to do next and make that all available in our platform in mm-hmm. real time mm-hmm. and easy access. So using machine intelligence to help bring that together together in a real time mm-hmm. perspective in, mm-hmm. in our application is one of our main focuses in the next uh, six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, And then again, using some of the machine intelligence as well around that one-to-one marketing is another big part of the vision that we're talking about. So if you have a ton of offers or that you want to put into market, how do I talk to Paula differently than I talk to Tamara based on where they are with their brand and what they like and Mm. and grabbing all of that data Mm. to sort through it and personalize. That's kind of our next challenge Mm. that we're uh, taking on. Yeah. And again, I mean, even within the industry, it's one thing to collect all of the data and have it available, but to make it accessible in a way that I, for example, as a (laughs) non-techie, as very much somebody who, you know, really wants like a very simple um, set of recommendations. I think that must be a huge challenge, you know, I mean, you know, literally to bring it into a way that's actionable because, uh, you know, as we all know, you can get buried in data uh, and swamped with insights. But um, one big thing, And again, I suppose it's what I always love in terms of talking to partners. You know, it's like, well, what have we seen in one industry? So you'll probably see what's happening in a client like Dell, which we've, you know, done the interview on and see how that might be appropriate to other clients who are looking to evolve. So uh, I think that cross industry expertise gives you a unique perspective. Um, And again, I, I always say everyone should talk to their partners, their technology partners to say what is happening outside of our industry and take that both head above the um you know the fence and see what's going on in the big bad world huh absolutely the working with the multiple verticals and the clients across that like you said you can bring those experiences and yeah. give mm-hmm. different ideas to the yes. other side uh, yeah. the different verticals yeah, absolutely yeah. Absolutely. And it's why I always liked consulting, actually. It's exactly the same thing, you know. So, you know, I started in the the telco sector and then moved into energy and banking. And at the end of the day, they were all massive databases of human beings who didn't want to be on a database. (laughs) They just wanted to be connected. So, uh, and Tamara, from your side, then, I know you're a big fan of driving emotional loyalty. So Mm -hmm. tell us what you're seeing coming through in that side of things. Yes. So there's a lot of innovation in that area, um, specifically around. So since we're talking about data, I think one of the big challenges that marketers have or loyalty marketers have is is around understanding what kind of data can help indicate and inform what an emotion happens to be. So there are some some projects that we're working on internally here to, to get a better and much more scientific approach to that. That's all data driven. So it comes down to data attribution to an actual emotion within a moment about a brand. And then what does that mean? How does that impact share of dollar? How does that impact share of heart, share of time? You know, how much time you're engaging with the brand? And, And to that point, you know, how can you use that information to then inform your future you know, offers, mm-hmm. messages, whatever it is to drive the incremental behavior you're, you're trying to drive. So there yeah. is a lot of work currently being done um, at mm-hmm. Epsilon around this. 
And okay. I would expect to maybe see more of about that. Um, yeah. Coming soon. Coming <laughs> soon. A lot of exciting things happening right now. Oh, completely. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I love, Tamara? Um, when you talk about cheer of heart, it's mm-hmm. um, it's something I'm I'm very passionately agree with you on. And I believe that we should be having those type of conversations. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering in your experience, um, are most brands ready to have that conversation? Because it's actually, um, and, and I'm sure every market around the world is different. I mean, again, a lot of people listening to this show are in the US, but a lot are not. Um, I'm wondering, for example, how much of Share of Heart is being discussed maybe in the UK or here in the Middle East, for example. What's your sense on the readiness of um, senior people to talk about something that may feel a little softer than those hard metrics of loyalty we're used to in the past? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think, I, honestly, I think it does vary and it varies based on the brand and especially when you hit the nail on the head, it's like, how do you quantify that and measure that and show some sort of return yeah. on a, an increase of heart? Yeah. So some of the work that we're doing right now is to build out what that return could be or would be. So hopefully okay. we'll have some analytics to help oh. nudge that conversation along Super. that we could share, but yeah. you know, but it really comes down to at the end of the day, as a brand, what are you trying to achieve, right? What is, what's, what's important? What are the goals of loyalty for your organization? And while mm. we're always going to say, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I think, sure. I mean, when you're talking about big L loyalty, share of heart is extremely important. You know, I mean, you want brand love, you want that. That's what leads to a lot of, um, you know, other Mm -hmm. things, retention, long time with time value, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that advocacy. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what is the goal of the program or the initiative that you're trying to drive from an executive Mm -hmm. standpoint. And sometimes Mm -hmm. brand love is it. Mm. And sometimes it's something else, but, um, mm. I would say there is definitely much more interest in it. Okay. Um, there's a lot of companies out there talking about it, but I don't think anyone's quite cracked the code just yet. Totally, totally. And it may be, you know, and it's, it's, you know, ironic, I suppose, but given the current, you know, challenges, for example, you know, like a, a pandemic does force a rethink. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be that we now have permission as marketeers to be braver and say, actually, you know what, I want to stand for something differently, or I want to, you know, really show up for my customers now in a bigger and better way. So, yeah, it almost is a defining time, I think, as we know, the, the behavior has changed changing dramatically. Um, but it also is a unique window of opportunity to say, this is how we want to, you know, to manage our business and to be loyal to our customers. Because that's mm. what I think, you know, is the opportunity. We, we've all talked about how do we get our customers to be loyal to us, but it sounds like you're helping people think the other way around as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what's exciting right now too, is that, especially for Epsilon, because, you know, we were recently acquired by Publicis of and course. this whole emotional loyalty question from a strategic yeah. standpoint is exciting to me because we have now have can bring together the art and the science of it all wow. and really come up and crack the code because I think the answer is a mixture somewhere in between and using the art and science of it all. And I think that, yeah. um, you know, and the conversations yeah. we're having internally and exploring and some of the initiatives we're working on, um, I'm, I'm feeling that we're closer to understanding it than oh. we have been in the past because oh. of that. So it's been a great mix. Absolutely. And it's actually very reassuring because, again, I'm the one that's usually kind of going, I have no idea how we're going to make this transition into emotional loyalty, for example, because there is no easy answer. So, um, yes, I will be certainly watching with interest. Mm -hmm. 
The next thing I wanted to to talk to you both about really was, um, I suppose you mentioned already about, you know, uh, companies that want to evolve their programs. And that's actually something that's certainly happening here in the Middle East. We have some extraordinary loyalty programs. And again, they're, they're working on their emotional loyalty propositions and evolving forward. But, you know, what uh, what should they be doing in terms of that complex procedure? You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, we want to continually improve our performance against KPIs. But if you actually want to, um, you know, evolve a program rather than starting from scratch, um, how do you recommend they go about that? Well, I think you always have to start with the consumer, right? And you start with the consumer and really understand the consumer. Um, you know, sometimes from an exercise standpoint, this could be done through like a customer journey map of some sort or really understanding, sure. yeah. you know, it, and also customer research and understanding, you know, looking at, you know, survey them, talk to them, focus groups, but also if you happen to have data or access to data to help inform, you know, yeah some yeah. of that. So it really starts with the consumer and understanding where you're at. It's sort of like, I always kind of like compare it. It's like planning a journey, right? I know I want, I want to go on a trip, but I don't know necessarily where you just yeah. first figure out where you are right now. Right. Okay. And then figure sure. out where you want to be and then plan the journey to get there. Right. So yeah. understanding where you are now is really, really critical to getting to the next place. Yeah. So that's probably the first step, just in, and lean in and let the consumers inform you, because I will guarantee every time we go through this exercise and understanding, like taking a deep dive into the consumer, there's always some surprises. Really? That the brand doesn't know. Yeah. You know, there's always wow. something that comes up that you're like, oh, I didn't realize that that was, you know, yeah. and then, and that, that helps shift what the journey might be and how to get to where you need to go. Okay. So I like that. Look for surprises in your data, huh? Mm-hmm. There's always going to be surprises. Wow. <laughs> and again, I suppose it's a brave company that goes looking for those surprises because uh, sometimes it's easier just, you know, <laughs> continue as is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a good point because sometimes like there might be things in the data you don't want to see or, you totally. know, but, but you have to know what, what it is and what you're up against and what, what your consumers, because at the end of the day, having loyalty is about, you know, yeah. Instilling loyalty is about, you know, instilling loyalty with their consumer. And you have to understand, it's just like any other relationship. I know we've said that a million times as loyalty marketers, yeah. but, yeah. you know, you have to understand who it is that you're trying to connect with. And, yeah. you know, the better you can understand, the better you can connect. So. Absolutely. Love it. And Julie, from your side, you know, um, you know, what do you see in terms of programs that do want to evolve from a, from a technology perspective? From the technology side, we probably focus more on just being ready to go where they need to go, right? So when they've decided, they've looked at where they are and, and they've worked with Tamara and they understand yeah, yeah. where they want to go, right? Having the right levers and the right consultation to work with them, to bring those experiences to life, to enable them to take that next step, introduce that new aspect of the program, whether it's now surprise and delight or whether it's a new gamification feature or whatever it is, just being ready to equip them and arm them Mm -hmm. to enable the experience that they want to put in place. And that's what we've been able to prepare our application to do or our technology to do is help them connect those dots with their systems and mm. and go to market with whatever those experiences are going to be. Mm. 
And and I really have to ask you the question, Julie, I alluded to in, at the start. I told you I worked for a technology start point. And every time I would go and meet a client, they would tell me they needed a new feature. Uh, and I, <laughs> I'm sure you guys have this constantly. How does that process sure. work? You know, like if I was a client for a brand, you know, and I'm pretty sure Epsilon does everything I would need it to do. But just let's say I did have a big idea. Like how do you, uh, you know, manage it, first of all, in terms of sometimes saying no, I guess there's plenty of times you might have to say we can't do that right now but how does that technology planning process work well we listen and we pay attention to what's coming in and we start to draw parallels between common themes or or new ideas we try to get ahead of it um configuration and and extension is huge right we've kind of gotten skilled at being able to put slight extensions into certain parts of the application where needed so that brands can be customer specific in that one area and still use the core platform. Same way with the platform itself. There's a lot of levers and a lot of configurations that you can mix and match together to bring that, to have one technology platform go in and service multiple, multiple, multiple ideas. So Uh, we've gotten... A little bit crafty there to be able to do that. Yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You want well, to say yes. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, you have to provide a solution and that's the right we approach. Do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, and actually, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, Mitch Kennedy was brilliant. I know you guys power the, the Dell loyalty program and he was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Anything I've ever asked for has always been available. Yes, there, you know, might be a cost associated with it, but, you know, it is very much like that partnership approach of how do we get to what we're ultimately trying to achieve on both sides. So, uh, so yeah, yep. yeah, that's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, so I, yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about then just coming just towards the end, I suppose, of the show, just about future proofing and, and what do you think that clients should be doing to think about future proofing their loyalty programs? Like how should they be thinking ahead? Do you think maybe Tamara, you might come in, I suppose, again, with the, the journey mapping, um, approach that, that, that you're recommending. Sure. So, well, I, it, journey mapping for sure, but I would say any sort, and we're having these conversations with, with current clients right now. So, so any sort of journey mapping you may have done up until, you know, maybe six months ago or yeah. data analysis, it's, it's pretty much out the window right now. <laughs> so true. you need yeah. to redo it all right now. Yeah. So I wouldn't lean too much in on that. So in terms okay. of future proofing, kind of going back to, we need to understand and level set, where are we right now? Right. Sure. And really understanding to help guide um, that, but in terms of like future proofing strategies, first and foremost, you have to understand that your strategies are going to have to continuously evolve because consumers continuously change. Data, sure. you know, data is you're yeah. continuously getting more data that you can have access to to help sure. inform your decisions and be smarter. Um, yeah. You know, and then the journey mapping, like you had said, really understanding the whole experience of where consumer happens to be, where's those moments that matter, really fine tuning that. But it shouldn't necessarily be. A document's one and done, it should be a living and breathing document that's constantly changing and evolving. And you're constantly looking at how can you improve experience. So mm-hmm. really being in terms of future proofing from a strategic standpoint, it's about always being proactive and always, you know, informing and leaning in on where those certain areas that you can improve and make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really about being proactive. And I think to that point, that can help you isolate where those types of features Mm. that you should maybe add down the road and 
or which ones you shouldn't just because the shiny object doesn't necessarily mean you should have it. Right. Totally. Um, You know, and having those types of conversations and understanding and honing to, and then letting that help guide what the technology um, solution should be. Yeah. And I know what I've also found um, to be quite useful actually is to bring in maybe other departments that aren't maybe traditionally or let's say day-to-day involved with the running of Mm -hmm. the loyalty program. So do you tend to find that your clients would be good at that or do they need, you know, maybe to, to be reminded to do that from time to time? Yes, I think, I mean, there's, I mean, especially if you're having a loyalty program, depending upon the kind of program, I mean, there's so many departments that are involved in this, right? So um, that touch it in some way, shape or form. And I I always recommend that, especially if you're going through these types of exercises, Mm. you know, consumer journey mapping, bring in other groups because it really helps one from an ownership standpoint, these other teams that you're going to need to be involved and have, you know, a stake yeah. in the game to help this for the success of your, your initiative, you know, yeah. get them involved in, in the journey mapping process, get them involved in the ideation sessions because they'll have that sense of ownership of something yeah. when it comes to life. Um, yeah. And it really helps with alignment, you know, overcoming any internal obstacles you might have with, you know, silos yeah. and all that, because when you have large, large organizations, it's everywhere. It's, it's not totally. just at one, it's at everywhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So having that internal alignment out the gate Mm. helps internally and it also helps sell in the executives too. So if you can get the whole team aligned, it's easier to get the executives aligned um, and and Mm. makes it much less painful internally as a client or as a brand. Yeah, yeah. And again, yes, I, I remember exactly and my, my own experience was exactly the same, you know. So let's preempt any concerns that the leadership team may have mm-hmm. by ensuring all of their people have had the opportunity to contribute and challenge and all of that. So it is a very good approach because then everyone goes, okay, right, you've taken my requirements and my objectives into uh, mm-hmm. into the overall scheme of things. So yeah, that's awesome. So that's brilliant. Um, the last real question I wanted to ask you both, I suppose, was was much more around um, what do you recommend in terms of helping, you know, again, listeners to this show uh, to stay up to date? Um, so what kind of resources do you like? Do you read? Do you consume? Please, you know, totally fill us in on, on what you recommend in terms of media resources. Honestly, a lot of the... Um a lot of the things that I focus on from learning loyalty, to yeah. be honest, is through the clients, right? And so as I fold that into the application and the technology, you know, I, I learn a lot from our clients and what they want to do and the challenges they have with operationalizing a program. And that helps me focus on how to streamline the application and help them do that. So from a technology perspective, I get a lot of input from um, our clients and our experiences and the different challenges that they have in helping solve those problems. I also, you know, listen to um, the loyal, your loyalty podcast and learning those different experiences cool. and a couple of um, business growth podcasts, like the Masters of Scale. Again, also listening yeah. to those challenges and how they've solved those problems to help yeah. stay up to date, right? And, and kind of help evolve our applications. So those are a couple of things I've done. 
Wonderful. Well, I'm glad you're a podcast listener. Clearly, selfishly, I'm happy you listen to mine. But um, yeah, no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't listened to Masters of Scale, so that's definitely one I will tune into. And it's funny. I was talking to somebody actually just recently because I think podcasts um, probably had initially a bit of a dip when um, when COVID came in and people stopped commuting because that was, I suppose, the time mm. of day a lot of people were were consuming this type of content that that I'm putting out and that we're putting out. But actually, I think those people have found new times to listen because they realize they they value the content. But I do believe there's a whole new audience as well. And I'm sure there's loads of Epsilon clients will be listening to this type of content. Um, So there are a whole new range of people who are loving the audio format. So uh, so I think it's cool that you're uh, in the early adopter group, Julie. That's brilliant. I am. Thanks. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) And tomorrow, uh, where do you go to to stay up to date from your side? Yeah, so I second Let's Talk Loyalty podcast. So there Aww. you have it. Thank you for um, the plugs, ladies. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I second that. I mean, it, 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 and where, where I like it is it, it helps in in this, you know, in, in, in terms of understanding what other loyalty practitioners are seeing, right? And yeah, having those conversations, yeah. especially in this, you know, we're pre-COVID, we'd have conferences that we might go to with sure. you know, the Loyalty Academy, some of yeah. the Loyalty Academy Um Yes. Um, CLMP. Yes. So, yes. Sorry, get your certification, um, you know, <laughs> with the wise marketer. And so, I mean, that's a great resource and helping, you know, really help pushing loyalty practitioners thinking and yes. it's across different industries and, you know, there's competitors in the room, but we're all talking together and, and really kind of pushing our thinking and pushing the industry, which I think is really exciting. Yeah. Um, on yeah. top of that, of course, talking to our clients and, and, and what, what are they experiencing day to day? Looking yeah. at the data, but what is the data telling us in terms of what consumers are seeing and saying? Yeah. Um, and on top of that, I'm, I'm, I've always been a bit of a geek for any kind of like futuristic consumer trend kind of stuff. So there's a few, oh, cool. yeah. there's a few different like trend spotters, trend hunters. There's a couple of really cool trending kind okay. of uh, foresight factory yeah. was another great one. Um, that really kind of hones in on interesting trends around the globe. So it's not just the U.S., but there's always really cool inspiration that yeah. I might see, like in one market, say South South Africa, that you could apply in, you know, Canada totally. or something like that. So there's totally. always really great insights um, yeah. and trends around the world that I would, you know, just to kind of, you know, yeah. keep the creative juices going, helping inspire more loyalty, and keeping Julie really busy. <laughs> <laughs> You are very good at that. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine the rivalry in the office. Oh, it must be hilarious. Oh, and, no. and genuinely, I know you create a lot of content as well. So um, what I'll do is I'll make sure that we link to the Epsilon's website, obviously, both for um, for Europe and also for the US, because you guys are, are putting out some extraordinary stuff yourselves. So I do want to make sure that anybody who wants to stay up to date has access to the Epsilon um, content as well. So we'll make sure to include that in the show notes. So I think that's all the questions I had, ladies, from my side. Is there anything else that you wanted to contribute or or comment on before we wrap up? I don't, but thank you for having us. It's been great talking with you this morning. Wonderful. Good way to start the week. Great, Julie. Thank you. Tamara, anything from your side? Yep. Same. Thank you for your time. This this has been a lot of fun and congratulations on the success of the podcast with number 59. This is number 59. 
Exactly, exactly. Fantastic. Absolutely. So. Yes, yeah. I think I signed up for in my own head to do four. And uh, <laughs> between the jigs and the reels, I mean, my goodness, yeah, it's been an extraordinary roller coaster. And uh, genuinely, uh, you know how much I value the Epsilon partnership. So definitely want to acknowledge that. So from my side, uh, Julie Smith and Tamara Oliverio, thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.